0: Welcome to the Longhorn live stream. Uh, We're coming to you live uh, today. I've got Tommy Yerish of Inside Texas and on Texas football alongside me tonight. uh, Talking a little Longhorn football. Uh, Jerry Hamilton is under the weather, but still trying to work. But uh, a little under the weather. Uh, Justin Wells uh, is at his kids basketball practice. So I asked Tommy to step in uh, this evening and he's been happy to do so. How are you doing tonight, Tommy?
1: Doing good, man. Uh, just sitting here a week before finals. I got my my Longhorn hoodie on and uh, just grinding it out before Christmas break, man.
0: Yep. Hey, uh, Tom, uh, you know, you've been covering the team and uh, been at uh, several of the pressers and, and stuff like that. Uh, the Longhorns today uh, lose seven guys to the portal, uh, only one of whom was surprising. And that's Jameer Johnson, the cornerback out of Pasadena Muir in, in Southern California. Uh, but the biggest two names or at least the biggest name probably is Hudson Card, uh, the quarterback out of Lake Travis that started uh, some a year ago and then started some uh, this uh, this year as well. In the absence of Quinn Ewers, uh, he was probably the biggest name. The second biggest name, Andre Karich. uh the offensive tackle turned tight end, uh, sledgehammer tight in. Uh, he is probably. Uh, getting ready uh, to go try to be an offensive tackle or offensive guard uh, somewhere uh, That's a, that there's a clearer path to the playing field. Uh, so those two guys go. Uh, Matt, our producer, has put up a list of those. Uh, Tommy, what was your initial reaction of, of Hudson Card uh, going to the portal today?
1: Well, I think the initial reaction, along with most people, I would say, was not a bunch of surprise. It feels like this has been something that's been in the works ever since – really Quinn Ewers was named the starter. That was when it was more low key, you know, you just thought you assumed it almost because he'd lost that starting job, but he had won a year ago against Casey Thompson. Now, this time around, as the season went on, you could tell that it was eventually going to happen. And I think Hudson Card is going to be a pretty hot commodity in the transfer market, just because when he did play this year, he was able to do a lot of good things for Texas. You remember when Quinn Ewers was heard, he he was a big part in winning games for Texas and making sure the Texas offense was as well oiled of a machine that it could be. Uh, in my opinion, though, I think the biggest loss that we'll see today is Andre Karish on the offensive line, or like you mentioned, the flex tight end. you I don't know if we'll ever see a number 92 tight end again. But Ian and I, whenever we would do game previews, would always talk about how Steve Sarkeesian would throw out that 12 formation with Karish at tight end alongside Jatavion Sanders, and that when JT wasn't out there or when Andres wasn't out there, you see Gunnar Helm going in to provide some extra blocking. I think having that six offensive linemen essentially was a really big part for Texas in the run game this year, and that's part of the reason why B. John Robinson, Roshan Johnson had such success when he was in the game. And then it also helps you open up a little bit the passing games because you give Quinn Ewers time when you face teams that have a good pass rush, like the Alabamas, uh, the TCUs, the Iowa States, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Texas has faced a lot of good ed- edge presences this year. I think college was a big part in stopping that as well. Um, and then you mentioned Jameer Johnson at corner played a little bit this year. And then, you know, Terrence Brooks comes in and sort of takes a starting spot away from him, but nonetheless, Jameer Johnson's a great talent. And he he also is going to be a pretty hot commodity in the transfer portal. I would think.
0: Yeah. It'll be interesting to see uh, Troy O'Meara, obviously one of those names up there uh, had a promising career his first year in at Texas and then a knee injury followed by a second knee injury, the second, um, Uh, fall practice almost a year to the date he had the previous one, uh, and just never really got back that flexibility. Prince Dorma Dorba is an edge linebacker prospect, uh, that came in highly touted from uh, Highland Park, uh, but just never uh, turned the corner. Derek Harris had a sack a year ago early in the season, uh, but never really saw the field much again. JD Coffey, um, I think was trying to fit in somewhere at safety, but uh, it looked like he was probably uh, fighting an uphill battle uh, to earn playing time there, uh, with the uh, emergence of Michael Tap, uh, the walk-on uh, that played in front of him for most of this year uh, as well. Whenever they didn't, whenever they kept Jade Barron on the field with an additional safety, so uh, and took on, Anthony Cook had to go out. So uh, all of those guys, um, I think that that what I would say to folks uh, about this right now is that none of these were unexpected. And almost all of these have been in the works for some time, in my opinion. Uh, So they didn't go to bed on Saturday night saying, oh, well, now I better transfer. Uh, I think almost all of these were in the works for quite some time. And so what I say to that is, I'm not so sure we won't see more in the future. A couple more drop into the portal between now uh, and uh, uh, well, next week is actually when the portal officially opens. These guys have declared their intention to to go into the portal. And so what I'm getting at here is I don't, I think this was the first rush of guys. There may be some other guys uh, that kind of dribble in uh, and those could, those could, guys could be more uh, big name guys. I, I just don't know. I'm not expecting it per se, uh, but it's something to watch for. Uh, I will say this, having tracked this now for a, a couple of years, uh, the portal is getting ready, ready to be an ready to be absolute mayhem Uh, The number of players uh, that are entering the portal at this point uh, is kind of crazy uh, to me. Um, Hey, Tommy, I need to say thanks to one of our sponsors and then I want to ask you your thoughts on the portal as a whole uh, and some recruiting stuff that you've heard uh, of late and that we've talked that we can talk about. Uh, Let's talk about energy Texas first. Energy Texas is for Texans. Uh, The live stream here is sponsored by energy Texas. Uh, When energy Texas becomes your energy provider, you're dealing with and calling people in the state of texas not back east not overseas texas we're proud to be from the greatest state in the union and prouder still to be fighting for the little guy against big power that's uh, energy texas our sponsor of tuesday night's live stream hey, hey tommy um you know you're a guy that that is on campus right now at texas uh your initial thoughts on, on what this means to, to Texas going forward. They, we didn't see Xavier Worthy, for example, jump into the portal t- today like some people were thinking. Uh, we haven't seen any big names uh, otherwise. Paul Wadlington of Inside Texas wrote a nice article today about the defensive nucleus that's returning uh, to Texas. Uh, you're on campus. What are the vibes on campus about this Longhorn team after the, the Baylor game and as they look forward right now?
1: Well, I think the Baylor game was about as good of an ending to the season as you could have could have scripted out. Just because, if you remember, they start that game so poorly. Uh, Quinn Ewers gets throws an intentional grounding in the end zone. That's a safety, and then there's a, a complete coverage bust that leaves a Baylor wide receiver, wide receiver, excuse me, wide open all the way down the field for a touchdown. So they get in a, a nine nothing hole early. And then after that, it was just straight shutdown defense. And the defense has been the shining star the past couple of weeks. Pete Witkowski's done a really nice job on that side of the ball. So like you mentioned, Paul's article earlier today, I think that defensive nucleus is going to be the strength of this team moving forward, just because that's the side of the ball where you have so much talent, not to say the offense is. Have much, but I feel like the offense is still a little bit of a work in progress. That's still a lot to, there's still a lot to figure out there. Quinn Ewer still has a lot to move along with Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson, uh, more than likely going away. You've got to figure out running back, although Jonathan Brooks has looked really good, and I think he's going to be uh, as good of a replacement as you can find. But it starts with defense. They say defense wins championships, and I think that that is the embodiment of this Texas defense. So you got guys like Jade Barron who had a really nice year returning. Uh, Jalen Ford should be returning a potential, if not Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year candidate this year. And then you've got guys – Like Terrence Brooks, who started uh, in the last couple of games, who looked really good as a true freshman. So there's a lot to look forward to on that side. And then on the defensive line, too, one guy I'm really high on is Byron Murphy from DeSoto. We got a little bit of action at the start of the year. Uh, And then still towards the end, they sort of sub him in typically when Keandre Coburn or Tavondre Sweat maybe needed a breather. He is a monster, and he, I think, is going to have a wonderful year next year for that defensive front, or defensive front that really needs it. And then you sprinkle in more guys like Justice Finkley, who played a little bit more along the edge as the season goes on. So really, the defensive side of the ball is where the energy is at. And offense, I think there's a lot of boom potential on that side of the ball obviously the biggest question right now and the biggest thing that's hanging in the balance is what's going to happen with Xavier Worthy reported a couple days ago that he cleared his entire Instagram of all things Texas because in this day and age that's news but um you know he posted a picture today with Texas gloves on and a little heart sign so maybe he's not going anywhere but we'll see um there's been there's, there's been people saying, you know, hey, if Xavier Worthy leaves, this is not that big of a deal. You know, he's done this wrong and this wrong and this wrong. I think that's just a terrible opinion, and that's completely false. Xavier Worthy is incredibly talented, and Texas would absolutely love to have him stay just because of his – dynamic ability downfield obviously there are some plays this year where you raise the eyebrow a little bit saying you know oh maybe he could have done this to get that ball maybe you could have done that but then again you could have said that for a lot of the texas offensive players this year well quinn could have made this throw well so and so could have made this catch things like that xavier worthy is incredibly talented uh you know 20 21 touchdowns in 21 games earlier this season going into kansas state that's an incredible number i think the most by any Texas player of all time, if I'm not mistaken. Don't quote me on that. But nonetheless, uh, that's, I think that's the overall vibe of it right now, kind of see what goes on with Xavier Worthy. And the defense is, is rocking and rolling, and there's a lot of talent coming in too.
0: Yeah, yeah the defense, Ryan Watts is returning, Jaron Thompson, uh, Tavondre Sweat is expected back. Uh, then you've got the guys like Baron Sorel, uh, who had a, a good game. Uh, so, anyways, long long, long story short, uh, I think there's a bunch of guys out there that, that Texas has got that, that, that has a chance. I want to mention one thing uh, that uh, is breaking news somewhat in the last hour or so. Uh, the news came out that Cedric Baxter, the running back out of Orlando's Edgewater High School, has shut down his recruitment. He's only going to visit Texas uh, for the next month or so. Uh, he is visiting Texas the weekend of December 17th. And then the very first National Signing Day is that following Wednesday, December 21st. Uh, so as of right now, it looks like uh, any consternation or concern uh, about uh, Cedric Baxter has come to pass. Uh, and so as Texas does lose or is expected to lose uh, not only B. John Robinson, but also Roshan Johnson, uh, that will be uh, some uh, healing, some, some uh, salve for the wound, so to speak, right? Um, hey, uh, we we talk about this um, and what they did on offense and the, the development of Quinn Ewers is probably uh, key for the off season. Uh, I actually think you know one of the things that's key for this this coming year actually happens beginning next week. Um, there's actually in two big ways. One, bowl practice. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. The first week, Steve Sarkeesian said yesterday, is just going to be about installation. Uh, second week, they get into game prep, that sort of stuff. But it's an extra fifteen practices, Tommy. Uh, they don't get that many uh, when they when they they don't get that many as it is uh, with new reduced hours by the NCAA dictated. Uh, but I, I feel like that's that's part one. Texas gets more practices, fifteen more practices, uh, more chance for those guys to really absorb the defense, absorb the offense, and get the nuances down. Fifteen more chances to get reps uh, with one another, et cetera. Now, the second thing is the portal, uh, and that's what's going to start next Monday. Obviously, the news of the outflow has already started, but really Texas is also going to start taking a look at getting guys in through the portal. And so there may be a wide receiver or two that that, that need to come in. Uh, given the fact that Texas has already lost one and may lose another here, not necessarily Xavier Worthy, but somebody like maybe a Jaden Alexis or somebody like that decides to to leave. Um, there's a number of of, of different people here, uh, Tommy, and uh, different things. But not this week, but next week, uh, I think is going to be the start of some big stuff for the offseason because if Texas can get uh, three or four guys, three or four guys that are starting caliber through the portal, maybe four or five, I think you're looking at a team. Uh, I was looking at all of the Big 12, including the newcomers to the Big 12, and it looks to me like Texas will have the most experienced team in the Big 12 next year, with the with perhaps the exception of BYU. That's, that's saying a lot, uh, especially when you're particularly, potentially as talented as Texas, because that talent group will be as good as anybody else's in the league as well.
1: Yeah and that's that statement says really a lot about this Texas team because they, they were really really a lot younger especially on the offensive side of the ball this season with you know guys like Quin Ewers out there Xavier Worthy's only a sophomore um but, yeah, the portal, I think, is definitely in in the new world of college football going to be the bigger part of next week. And I think that Steve Sarkisian is going to probably have his mind split 50-50 between those bowl practices and worrying about the portal, especially if a guy like Xavier Worthy decides to hit said portal. Um, but, you know, we've done a really good job of making a list of names that have already been in the portal and looking at potential targets and uh, you mentioned wide receiver i think there's two positions really that texas needs at least one player in and that would be wide receiver just because you know you you they really needed a third option all year so if xavier worthy stays you still you got Isaiah a coming back next year which should be a lot of fun but then they really didn't – Texas didn't really have a reliable third wide receiver option. Obviously, Jatavion Sanders, B. John Robinson, a whole different story. But as a receiver, didn't really have a reliable third option, in my opinion. You know, you could argue Tariq Milton, Casey Kane. I think you can get a more reliable option than that. And I think the one guy that stood out to me the most uh, is going to be Andrew Armstrong from Texas A&M Commerce. I know – f- I forgot if it was Joe. Somebody wrote an article earlier today – Uh, Looking at him and taking a look at his film, I think he's really impressive. 6'6", 189 pounds, 62 catches for uh, 1,020 yards and 13 touchdowns this year for the Lions and at A&M Commerce. Uh, Physically, he's built really well, and I think he can compliment Isaiah Nayor as a a downfield guy. Um, And then when I move over to cornerback, the name that stands out to me is a Texas native. Jonathan McGill from Stanford uh, came in earlier today as, as a graduate transfer. Um, This is a guy who I think if he steps in, plays a really solid year, I think he'd be a great veteran presence for a guy like Manny Muhammad, who's coming in. uh, If Texas is able to sign him, the cornerback from South Oak Cliff, uh, Muhammad, I think, is the best corner in this 2023 class. Extremely impressive, extremely athletic, good length, great coverage skills. So having a guy like McGill come into this program and, you know, sort of lead the way for guys like him, and you've already got a good defensive back group and guys like Ryan Watts, who Muhammad gets to sit behind as well. And then Terrence Brooks, obviously we'll see how he develops too, but McGill is going to be a guy who can push a guy like Brooks for that starting spot and really provide some, some more safety for this, for this Texas secondary that at times has needed it this year.
0: Yeah. I, and, and I think that the, uh... I'm going to start taking some questions from folks in the audience tonight uh, here on the Longhorn Lime stream. I'm uh, Bobby Burton, joined by Tommy Yerish. Uh, Tommy, uh, talking uh, and Tommy and I talking a little Texas football uh, portal news, uh, as well as just news in general around the Longhorns. Um, there's a little bit of a, of a discussion going on about where Hudson Card should go, um, and you know, on our message board right now, well, Notre Dame and uh, Oklahoma State. And all of these things, Uh, here's my take on this. And I come, there's a couple different ways you can look at it. Should he go to a Notre Dame where he's going to fight, have to truly fight for a job and where Notre Dame is going to have talent, stacked upon talent, and Card might not get a starting job there? Okay. If he's doing that, why why would he go there as opposed to stay at Texas? That would be my comment as opposed to going to someplace else. Where you knew he was going to start for two years at least, and have the reins. Um, and so, whenever y'all talk about what big time Power Five school, I'm I, I'm I lean a little bit more uh, to Jerry uh, Hamilton's thought process on this. I don't care whether it's Washington or another a, a big a Power Five school or a smaller school. It doesn't matter so much as he needs to pick a really good. Uh, really good quarterback situation Um, and he needs to go somewhere that has a degree that he's going to like, because I don't know that, I mean, one of the schools was Oklahoma state. I don't know their MBA program for him. He's going to be a finance uh, major at Texas or finance grad at Texas this, this off season. If he's going to want to go be in the MBA program somewhere as he's being a quarterback, uh, he needs to find a a place that uh, fits that as well. So I I just don't know. Uh, It's up to him. Uh, But I would say that for for his sake, if he's looking to play football and wants to play beyond college, he needs to go somewhere where he can for sure get reps. If he goes somewhere and loses a job close to a younger guy who has more talent, because those guys are out there at big places like Notre Dame. I don't know if that's for sure the, one of the places, but you get my point, Tommy, is um, you got to you got to get reps if you want to be a pro quarterback and you're not necessarily going to be assured of that at, at some big name places.
1: Bobby, let's have some fun. I, I'm thinking I'm thinking of a school and you tell me if you agree or not. What about UTSA? Uh, it's a name I've heard a lot and I think this could work. Hear me out. Jeff Trailers a great coach. We all know that. I don't I don't you could put a gun to my head. I don't know anything about the UTSA MBA program. But you stay in the University of Texas system. Hudson Card, I think, f- plays really well into what Jeff Trailer is looking for. Uh, Frank Harris, you know, we watched him earlier this year. He was definition of a dual threat quarterback. And he did a lot more, I think, on his legs than he did through the air. Hudson Card is a guy who can do that. Uh, he, he was great with his legs when he used them at Texas. Uh, and, you know, he has, a, he has a good ball here and there. I wouldn't say he has the best deep ball, but he gets the job done. And I think that's exactly what Jeff Traylor is looking for. UTSA has had a good stable of wide receivers really all the time, as, lo- as, far- as long as Jeff Trailer has been there. You have guys like Sakari Franklin, who's been really good this year. Uh, and then you, you they've had good running backs go through there as well. So they've got all the offensive weapons, and you bring in an experienced guy like Hudson Card, I think that UTSA would be a really nice landing space for him. Uh, from a football fit. Obviously, you know, he's more concerned about, you know, academics, or not maybe more concerned, but equally as concerned about yeah, academics.
0: Here's the issue. Here's the issue with that. So Frank Harris, the, the left-handed quarterback at, at UTSA, actually has a decision make of whether or not he's going to go pro. So oh, he, he still has eligibility. And I can tell you that that while Hudson Card is a adequate runner, He's not, he does not have anywhere the escapability of Frank Harris. And oh, I no. think that, that given that offensive line at UTSA, that, plays, that would factor into anybody's decision of who they would start uh, from the get-go. But now if Frank Harris leaves, then that quarterback room is completely open. I, I, I could understand that uh, as well as I could other places. I mean, there's probably other quarterback rooms on the Power 5 level that are wide open. So I'm not, I'm not saying no to power five. I want to be clear about that. It's not, I just want him to go somewhere we hit ha- where he has a chance to prove himself as a player because Absolutely. his ultimate goal in football is to become a pro football player. The only, only way he's going to do that is to get reps. He's not going to do it sitting on the bench. No doubt um, about it. Just, I mean, I, I can think of one guy in the last 30 years, that was a career back- backup in college football that ended up playing in uh, playing pro football. And that was Matt Castle in the 2000s in the aughts uh, when he was a backup to Matt Leinert and uh, those guys out at Southern California. Uh, but otherwise I don't remember a, a true backup like that ever uh, becoming uh, a NFL player otherwise. And so that's where I come out on it. And I, I don't know that I'm always right or whatever. Uh, a couple of questions that we had, when is signing day? Uh, so the signing day, just so people understand, is December 21st. That's the first signing day. The second signing day for high school recruits is February 1. Uh, Texas coaches are going to be out on the road beginning Friday. They actually can go out on the road on Friday. Uh, and over the weekend, uh, Jerry Hamilton reported earlier today that Texas will be in Chicago to see a big defensive lineman named Roderick Pierce. Uh, they've got, they're going to be on the road all across the state and country uh, seeing a number of different players, whether they're in Arizona, California, Houston, Dallas, et cetera. Um, but also what happens is next Monday uh, is when the portal opens and, and we'll see a avalanche of guys uh, going in and being available at that point. And we don't know yet uh, all of the players that might reciprocate interest from the Longhorns. You mentioned that wide receiver from Texas A&M Commerce. Um, the FC, the, what's a little bit different is FCS players. So Texas A&M Commerce, they can actually already go into the portal. Um, they get a week or two week head start on the uh, FBS players. Uh, so that's where that is. Um, hey, Tommy, I want to I want to pause for a second and ask you a question. Uh, basketball's got a big game coming up this Thursday night, right? Thursday, I think it's six in the Moody. Uh, Texas takes on Creighton. Uh, Jerry Hamilton wrote an article about that today. You have, you have any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I'll be there Thursday night. Looking forward to it. Uh, really excited about this game. I think I'm more excited about this game than I am for the Gonzaga game, to be completely honest with you. Just because I think it's more competitive, it's going to be a bigger challenge. For Texas And I was on the board earlier today uh, trying to, to he- have my chance be heard to have Sergibari Rice slide into the starting lineup. I've said that since he transferred to Texas. I know Jerry is real high um, on him as well. The only problem is where do you put him? And I think that's a very valid question because you don't want to move a guy like Marcus Carr to be six man. And you don't want to move, you know, a Timmy Allen out to be a six man. So I think I've kind of settled into, OK, you know, he'll, he'll be a solid six man and they're going to need him against Creighton. Because, like Jerry said, Creighton's got as good of a, solid, a a starting five in the entire country. You've got guys over there like Ryan Kalkbrenner, who's 7 1, and he, he moves really well for his size. Uh, the transfer, Baylor Shearman, who's been playing really well, and Ryan Nimhard, the six foot guard who, who has played uh, out of his last two games against Arizona and Arkansas. It's going to be a really tough challenge. Crane's very well coached. They shoot the ball really well. At times, they have a size advantage, and I think that's a problem that Texas had a lot last year and they struggled with. Didn't really have enough size. It was really excuse me, Christian Bishop and Trey Mitchell. And the biggest game changer this year is Dylan Mitchell. And the game changer in this game for Texas, if they're going to win it, is going to be their athletic ability. And that starts with Dylan Mitchell, the most athletic player I have ever seen. Uh, He just smokes in he just hauls in rebounds he vacuums them in he's like a vacuum cleaner um if he's within five feet of the basket and there's no one nearby him he can stretch out and get a rebound over for anybody so his athletic ability i think is is enormous and it's going to be even more enormous in this game
0: yeah i i feel like uh it's interesting i you know gonzaga was gonzaga was the one or number one or two ranked team in the country when they came in Uh, And I was at that game. And and the Moody uh, Center uh, is just a terrific place to watch it. I'm interested to see uh, what Texas can do this year. They have three experienced guards. Uh, Athleticism abounds. They've got a a glue guy or two glue guys really in Timmy Allen and Brock Cunningham that are hard-nosed players. Um, It's just an interesting all-around team at this point for me, Uh, one that I think there's a lot to like. Uh, for Longhorn fans, want to get to a couple other of your questions. A lot of this uh, is recruiting related, and that's okay. We'll we'll do that uh, and go from there. Um, let's see what questions I can ask. All right, let's go to this one. Uh, who Auto Lab one eight four asks who will be our starting right tackle next year? Cam Williams or Portal? As of right now, I don't think it's going to be Portal. Um, and you know, Christian Jones, even though he is a senior. Uh, has not announced or declared for the NFL draft at this point. Uh, expectations are that he goes. So I don't want to – he walked on senior day and all that stuff, right? So I don't want to put something out there that that's wrong. Uh, but I think that uh, Cam Williams has a shot at that. I think uh, Neto has a chance at that. Uh, I think it's – anything and everything is a possibility right now. It's a possibility they kick Hayden Connor out from guard and try him at right tackle uh, and give D.J. Campbell – one of the two guard slots alongside Cole Hudson, because those guys have uh, acquitted themselves pretty well overall. Uh, So I don't, I think it's far from determined who the right tackle is. Uh, But I do think that uh, if I were an odds maker at this point, I think that Cam Williams would be my odds on favorite, but that may be only like at 30% odds, you know, (laughs) like only 30% out of a hundred is my thinking there. Um, All right. Um, let me ask you. Let's let's go a couple other questions here uh, and go go down. Uh, is Malik uh, D-Man Wright Wainwright wants to know is Malik the second string QB now? The answer is yes. He was ahead of uh, Charles Wright uh, after uh, uh, during the uh, fall camp uh, after uh, hit both uh, Card and uh, Ewers returned to be healthy. Malik was getting more third team reps than Charles Wright. Uh, so that means he's ahead of him in the pecking order. And uh, ostensibly, that means he'll probably get second team reps uh, for the bowl game, even if he may not be the second guy off the, the, the bench or the next guy off the bench in the bowl game, given his lack of uh, uh, time uh, playing this year. Um, Tommy, you know, what were your thoughts on when you saw Malik this fall? And what, what are the things that you saw out of him that you liked and what you thought he needed to work on?
1: Well, we really didn't see a lot of Malik this year just because of his injury issues that he suffered in his state championship game. That's kept him sidelined a lot, and they've sort of just been slowly but surely bringing him back. I know that's something a lot of folks ask Steve Sarkeesian and his pressers throughout the year was, you know, hey, how's Malik Murphy's development been? How's, How's he moving along the injury chain? And it seems like he's getting to a good enough spot now where, you know, he's traveled with the team to some games, and yeah, he slid into that backup quarterback spot. Uh, I think he's extremely talented. And this is a guy who I think with the right development and with the right off season, can be a reliable backup quarterback if, God forbid, Quinn Ewers is unable to play. So extremely athletic. You saw him in high school, just how, how electric he was as a player. He runs the ball really well. He's got great size, great arm. Uh, what he what he really needs to work on, I would think, is is the accuracy portion of it a little bit. I think some some of his balls can linger a little bit wide sometimes. But other than that, I think he's really sharp. Uh, his decision making has been pretty solid. But staying healthy is be, is going to be the key for him. And then just learning the playbook, I think that's that's been such a big, not issue necessarily, but a learning curve. Of Quinn Ewers playing as essentially a true freshman in Steve Sarkisian's offense is having to know the playbook a little bit, being sure he's on the same page with his receivers. If Malik Murphy can develop all of those kind of stuff, all that kind of stuff during the offseason, I think he could be a reliable backup quarterback. And if he needs to play, someone that Texas can rely on.
0: All right. Um, another question coming in uh, around the portal. I, first, I want to say uh, thank you to our sponsor, uh, Energy Texas. Energy Texas is for Texans by Texans. When Energy Texas becomes your energy provider, you're dealing with and calling people in the state of Texas, not back east, not overseas, Texans. We're proud to be from the greatest state in the union and prouder still to fight for the little guy against big power. That's Energy Texas. Um, This is a good question, I think, about as it relates to the portal and where I think uh, the horns need to end up. Uh, It comes in from King Me. Says, do we use the portal as a want or need option, and what does that say about the program? So let let me be clear. I think that the portal is part of college football now, period. So I don't think it's about want or need. I think it's about playing the op- playing with the deck that the or the hand that that the game has given you. And the the hand the hand is you're, there's a portal now, and you can go out there and improve your team. Uh, now, you may want to do that judiciously, and how judiciously is, is a good question. Uh, I definitely don't think it's the Dabo Sweeney way of not taking any portal people or any portal players. I think that it, that it is a uh, reasonable uh, amount, and I also think that it's not necessarily bad if you're a new coach somewhere and you take a whole bunch, because that just puts everybody everybody's on the same level and playing field as it is. Uh, but you do want to see some development grow in the ranks uh, among your team. And so it needs to be, uh, I don't know what the exact number is, but I know that it's it's good enough that you can do this. And I will say that you can talk about, well, does it hurt team unity? Does it hurt team? i tell you what helps team unity winning. <laughs> Nothing helps team unity and everything else better than winning. And so if you can improve your team through the portal, I think that college coaches would be remiss not to do so. Uh, Tommy, your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I think I, I completely agree with you. In today's world of college football, I think we're shifting more towards a need in the portal. Not necessarily to say that you need to get five guys out of the portal, but you need to work a little bit in that portal one way or another. Because there's going to be a spot on your roster, whether you like it or not, that's going to be left open For improvement and all you're trying to do is improve your football team at the end of the day so if you want to put the best product out there on the field the portal is a tool that you can use and access now where you can go grab somebody an experienced player maybe or just a player that you're high on and you can put them into your lineup and with the thought of this player is going to help improve our team that's the biggest part of it um so yeah i completely agree with you it's it's becoming a less less of a want and more of a what what can we do to make this team better? Because I think you like you like you like you mentioned, the strategy of not using the portal at all with guys like Dabo Sweeney, and I know he's not the only one, at, at at some point it's not gonna work because they that's a program that could lose too many players to the portal, and then you're left scrambling and you can't rely on you know true freshmen or walk-ons for for everything playing in big games, especially at a program like Clemson, just for example. So the portal is something that I think everybody needs to adapt to. And that's going to be the biggest part of it going forward.
0: Yep. Going over, uh, uh, Matt, our producer, I want you to put up the uh, list again uh, of everybody that's uh, transferred out, announced their transfer from Texas to Gay. If you're just now joining us, uh, seven players, seven Longhorns have decided to opt into the portal, which officially opens next Monday. But they announced it via social media or through news sources uh, Hudson Card, Troy Omir uh, Andre Carriage Prince Dorma, Derek Harris, J.D. Coffey and Jameer Johnson uh, have elected to enter the portal and will be uh, doing that in the next uh, week or so uh, from the Longhorns. Uh, you know, Tommy, uh, other than this, uh, the Longhorns have 15 days of practice here during, for the bowl. Uh, it looks like are you hearing the Alamo Bowl? That's what I've heard.
1: Yeah, that's been the pretty heavy consensus is the Alamo Bowl in San Antonio again. So we're looking at a Pac-12 opponent. Um, a lot of people saying Utah. I think that would be a lot of fun. But there's also, you know, some sprinkles of UCLA, uh, Oregon, Oregon State. So really just a just a waiting game.
0: Yeah, Washington is another one,
1: uh, that one too.
0: as a, as as a possibility too. I think, you know, we we look at it and uh, you know, I, I think the biggest asset for, for this program is the additional practices. I still believe that that's a big deal, uh, especially coming off a year when you didn't have that and you couldn't, you know, get more cohesiveness uh, in that time period. So uh, we'll have to wait and see. All right. Uh, let's go to another recruiting question. Any word on DeAndre Moore or Kyle Parker? Uh, Moore is one of those players that Texas is going to see this week in Southern California. Uh, he is still committed to, to Louisville. Uh, He is still in the playoffs, I believe, right now. Uh, But uh, we'll have to wait and see what he decides to do and uh, where that comes out. Kyle Parker is out of Lovejoy High School in Texas. Uh, He is committed to LSU, but Brennan Marion, the Texas wide receivers coach, has stayed on him and is set to see uh, Parker later this week as well. Uh, So we'll see if either of those guys make official visits. It looks like Texas is having official visits each of the next three weekends. Uh, But the big weekend, uh, it would appear, is the very last one before National Signing Day, uh, December 21st, that Wednesday. It looks like it's going to be the December 17th weekend uh, where we'll see uh, that occur. Um, I'm going down the list and and really looking into this right now uh, of other questions that we can answer. Please feel free uh, to drop your questions uh, into the chat here, and we'll try to uh, get to those as uh, quickly as uh, possible. Ah, uh, this is interesting. I want to make a comment on this because I'm gonna. I think I may write about it uh, tomorrow. Somebody mentioned SFA for for uh, for uh, Hudson Card. I don't think it's going to be a, a D two school or a, F, a FCS school uh, for sure. But I don't know if you saw this today, uh, Tommy or not. Uh, but Stephen F. Austin uh, is now the officially systems. a part. Is now going to be officially a part of the University of Texas system. Uh, Their regents voted today uh, to become part of the University of Texas system. They're not going to change their name. It's still going to be known as SFA uh, and Stephen F. Austin, uh, but they will now roll up into the University of Texas system. Uh, And I I have to think that part of the reason that they got that done is uh, Tyler native uh, Kevin Eltyfe, who is the chancellor of the board of regents, probably made an impassioned plea Uh, Because SFA also had opportunities to be part of the Texas A&M system, Texas State system, as well as Texas Tech. And uh, they chose the Longhorns. So you've got some future uh, Longhorn cousins there, I guess,
1: uh, Tom. They made the the right choice. They made the right choice.
0: (laughs) Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Um, You know, I want to talk a little bit about something else here. Um, it, It appears that other than... Um, other than Cincinnati, every other Big 12 school will return their head coach this offseason because West Virginia at this point has not made a decision on Neil Brown. It's three days after his loss, and so they went five and seven, and if they're keeping him now, That they, they probably are going to keep him through the, through the rest of the year. So of I want to say this. This is unusual. Of the 14 schools that are going to be in the Big 12 next year, 13 will return their head coach. The only one that won't is Cincinnati,
1: with Luke Fickle going to Wisconsin uh, from Cincinnati. Yeah, that was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, I, I certainly didn't see that coming just because Luke Fickle obviously made Cincinnati one of the greater G5 schools in America. You know, they brought him to the college football playoff a couple of years ago with an extremely talented roster. And then, seemingly out of the blue, just takes the job up in Madison. Uh, Not to say Wisconsin is a bad football program. They're not that by any stretch of the imagination, but it just happened very quickly. And isn't that how the coaching carousel turns, my friend? So, um, you know, Cincinnati is, I think, still a great school, especially, and a great job for any coach. They're, you know, moving into the Big 12. It's about to get a lot more competitive. And with Texas and Oklahoma leaving, that just makes it even more competitive. And you've got another... A couple more good programs, and UCF, Houston, BYU, moving in there as well. There have been a lot of names thrown out there for Cincinnati, uh, and rightfully so. I think Gary Patterson even was was one of them who was thrown in that loop for Cincinnati. I don't think it would be a bad fit, to be completely honest with you. The question is, is is Patterson ready for that for that just now? Is he ready for that, or is he still wanting to wait a little bit longer, hang around Texas a little bit, have some more fun over here in Austin? Uh, I certainly wouldn't complain, but. Uh, Yeah, I think Cincinnati is going to be a hot commodity and uh, hopefully we'll hear something about that vacancy soon. Yeah,
0: I've got to say this. I think uh, I think that Gary Patterson probably wants something a little bit more uh, germane to Texas, if that makes sense, the state of. And I think Cincinnati is probably looking for someone a little bit younger to compete and bring them into a new conference as opposed to uh, someone. Uh, Older, And I'm I'm an older gentleman myself, and I say that with all due respect, Uh, recruiting at some level is a young man's game uh, in college football. And so uh, it's something uh, to consider there. A couple other questions that are interesting or comments. Uh, I want to say this. Hey, hey, Bobby, do you from Michael Hernandez? Hey, Bobby, do you really see yours as our future to get a Big 12 championship? Uh, Yes. In short, in short answer form, the answer is yes. Is he Was he ready for it this year? No, but he's also a freshman. Um, you know, Sam Ellinger wasn't good enough to, to get to a conference championship any of the four years, apparently, but he was good enough himself. The team just wasn't ready at the end. So, I, look, I, I feel like you, uh, people grade and uh, uh, have pushed on Quinn Ewers and his uh, lack of superstar uh, production in year one. When he was seeing things for the very first time, it was clear uh, that he just wasn't ready for that type of situation. Uh, At the same time, he led the horns to an eight and four. You know, I think he was, what did he end up five and two as a starter in games that he completed? I mean, he only lost, he only lost two games, TCU and Oklahoma state that he started, that he finished. I mean, that's five or six and two. I mean, you know, that's pretty good. Now, he's not perfect, but his ability to throw the intermediate ball is unlike anybody else's on the roster. And that's one of the reasons why Hudson Card didn't get the job back. Uh, he couldn't throw the 25, he couldn't feather a 25 yard throw in there to a JT Sanders or a Jordan Whittington like, like Quinn Ewers could. That, that's, that's my opinion on that. You, you, what do you see of, of, uh, uh, of uh, Quinn Ewers uh, from your viewpoint, Tommy?
1: You know, Quinn is a guy that I was able to cover in high school too. And you know, watching him his his sophomore and junior seasons at Southlake Carroll, the one thing I think people were really excited about with Quinn when he came into Texas was the deep ball. We know Steve Sarkeesian loves launching it downfield. We saw how well it worked for him at Alabama with Mac Jones, Devontae Smith, Henry Ruggs, the likes of those wide receivers, and a great quarterback in Mac Jones. But like you mentioned, I think the biggest thing that people are forgetting in all this is that Quinn Ewers is essentially a true freshman who coming into this year at Texas hadn't played meaningful snaps in a football game in right around two years. You remember he forewent his senior year at South Lake Carroll to enroll early and reclassify at Ohio State. And Ohio State was just full of quarterbacks. He might have been the third or fourth string quarterback on that roster because you've got C.J. Stroud, who was an early Heisman favorite coming into that season. Quinn Ewers isn't going to come out there and beat C.J. Stroud for the job. That's just not fathomable. So he essentially sits the bench in Ohio State, played, I think, three snaps, and all three were hands handoffs. So he goes a full season in Ohio State without playing meaningful snaps. He comes to Texas, and he's got to learn you know a, a new offense. Obviously, Ryan Day and Steve Sarkisian do something similarly, but some things differently. And now you've got to play meaningful snaps against teams like Alabama two weeks into essentially your collegiate career. So I think it's it's right. It's OK to criticize Ewers because he did make mistakes and criticism is essentially what you're looking for. The biggest thing is, how is he going to build on his mistakes? The biggest question I think for him has been the footwork. You know, in, her, in high school, he was able to get away with it just because Quinn Ewers was the best player on the field, no matter who he played. You know, he could be in the state championship game and arguably Cade Klubnik is the better player than him but nonetheless, he can still get away with bad footwork launching 50-yard touchdown passes to wide-open wide wide receivers. In college, that's not the case. You're going against a lot better competition, and Quinn Ewers knows that. Steve Sarkeesian knows that. So like you mentioned, Bobby, the 25-yard passes, those medium-range passes, I think was the strongest asset of his game this year, just some beautiful throws. And Ewers is a generational arm talent. You know, He wasn't rated high for no reason. He wasn't a 1.0 recruit for no reason this kid has generational arm it just needs time to develop just like any other player at the collegiate level now whether or not and how quickly that will develop is the question here but with Steve Sarkeesian's history of quarterbacks I would say look at next year for to be you know not necessarily an explosion year where he wins the Heisman but certainly significant improvements
0: yeah I I would agree with that um a couple other notes uh Somebody's saying uh, Masonic Penny is saying they're going after the tackle from Alabama confirmed. And if he's talking about Damian George, they would be incorrect. Texas is not going to kick the tires there uh, is what I'm told. Uh, Now, if it's Tommy Brockemeyer, one of those other guys, I don't know that. But Damian George is the only one that I that has announced that he's going into the portal. Uh, And at this point, uh, he is not uh, going in there. Um, Another question from same same. uh, uh, user, uh, can you confirm if JD Coffee was the bigger DB name DB y'all heard would hit the portal, or was that guy the one that stayed in plans of changing position? First of all, it's not the position change person, and actually Jameer Johnson was the bigger uh, player because Texas uh, he he actually saw more action uh, than JD coffee and coffee at the end of the year had been beat out, whereas Johnson was still ahead of uh, still ahead of the second run at uh, the boundary corner, uh, behind Ryan Watts. Uh, so, uh, we did not, uh, of the seven guys going into the portal today for Texas, Jameer Johnson was not, was the one that we had not heard of prior to today, uh, or I had not thought that he was going into the portal necessarily. I hope that answers, uh, the question, uh, for you, Masonic Penny, uh, just so you know, um, there, there are, there are still things going on. I think, uh, People are asking me, who's the big-time receiver uh, in the SEC that is expected to go in the portal? Um, well, there's already a big-time receiver in the portal from the SEC, uh, the number one receiver at uh, Missouri, Dominic Love. but I'm told that he's expected to go to Alabama at this point. Uh, there's also talk that maybe a couple of Alabama receivers are going to head to the portal. Uh, they signed four of them last year. Uh, of course, a couple of them are from, I think at least one of them's from the state of Texas. Uh, there was talk that a Kentucky Wide receiver was going to go in the portal. Uh, he announced that he is not. Um, we can talk about what, maybes. There is so much rumor and innuendo out there right now for everybody. I would, I would caution everybody here not to say that it's happening and, and certainly uh, that it's necessarily a big-time guy uh, because until it happens, it's just like rumor and innuendo surrounding Xavier Worthy. Um, It's not happening until it's happened. And so the idea that, oh, well, it might be happening. That's the day and age we live in. And so I just don't think that that's much news at all. Um, One more question here. uh, I want to grab where does junior angle fit? Didn't he say I'll be back? Yes, he did, but he, he walked at junior day. Um, I'm not sure if he's looking for a fifth year somewhere else, or if he's looking to get into coaching, or do something like that. We'll have to wait and see, because I think that uh, based on what I saw uh, this fall after he got injured, I think he'd end up probably being a tremendous coach uh, for the Longhorns. Um, You know, uh, I want to go to this uh, for you, um, Tommy, Uh, your second year at Texas, right? Um, The vibe on campus right now towards the football team this year compared to last year and how much, did moving the student section down to the field level and making it first come first serve make a difference in atmospheres like it against Alabama, TCU, that sort of thing?
1: Yeah, well, uh, obviously, you know, you know how students are. If, if we lose a game, they think the world's ending. If we win a game, we're the best team in the world. So I, I think last year, you know, you, you really the vibe around campus was, wow, we suck. And that's just because, you know, you don't necessarily look at the ins and outs of things, but uh, overall, very negative, you know, a lot of question marks about where this is going. I think where that took a turn was when Quinn Ewers announced that he was coming to Texas and everybody, you know, finds hope again. You know, the savior has come, if, if, if for lack of a better term. Um, so now compared to this year, I think it was completely different. Obviously, you know, this is a fan base. This is a student fan base where... You want to compete for Big 12 championships. You want to for the college football playoff. You want to be high up on the rankings, just like any school in a Power 5 conference. But from a student perspective, you probably want a little more. But from a student who pays attention to football and how it works, I think this is right where you want this Texas team compared to 5-7 and seven a year ago. It's a much better finish. The team improved in a lot of aspects this year. And I think they had a, have a much brighter future than they had at the end of last season. And you could say that for a lot of other schools, but really Texas, I think, has a lot to look forward to if a lot of things go right. When it comes to the student section, um, you know, I I didn't go to any games as a student last year because I didn't I forgot to buy my big ticket to be completely honest with you. So <laughs> I, I I did go this year though. So um, the moving the student section down, I think, was the best possible move that they could have made, and um, because it's loud and you are there's three, four, five sections filled to the brim of students yelling and screaming at essentially every game. And the peak of that was when Alabama came into town. You know, you have kids. I I was there reporting early. I was there like 5.30 in the morning um, getting in line. I, I got in line at 5.30 and I still almost didn't make it in. By the time that I made it in, all of the seats had been taken. And had I not found a friend who had two seats open next to him, I wouldn't have been able to report on that game for you, Bobby. So I'm, I'm happy that I found my friend. Um, but that, that Alabama atmosphere was, was unlike any other atmosphere in college football that I've experienced so far. Uh, and it was, it was emulated again in TCU. That was another game where it was full to the brim. And that's what you want when you've got 140 recruits on the sidelines, trying to, you know, make an impression on them and help your team out. So I think the student section is the most underrated aspect in sports. If you've got a good home field advantage, the students are a huge part of that. And they did make an impact on, on that game this year. I think if the Alabama game was an away game this year, same teams, same conditions, but it's in Tuscaloosa. It's not a one point game to be completely honest with you. It's completely different. The crowd had an effect on it. You can tell that they were out of sorts. So I, I think by far that moving the student section was one of the better things that, a very good athletic director in Crystal Conti uh, made this year.
0: Yep. Um, let's see here. A couple other questions I want to get to before we we leave tonight. Um, how Bobby uh, from Grady Jenkins, Bobby, how many do you expect to enter the portal when all is said and done um, for this? So there's two times a, a player can enter the portal. There's the December timeframe uh, into January and they have to make a decision by early January or mid January, excuse me. Uh, to to move schools by the, in that uh, uh, semester, uh, there's also one that begins in May after spring practice. Um, for this transfer portal time frame, I think that we're probably looking at nine to ten. So I think maybe two to three more, and, and it may it could be zero more. I mean I I don't so I'm not saying it's it's I don't think it's five, but I don't I'm not I wouldn't think it's zero either. I guess is, is my, my bigger thing for, as we go from here, already at number seven are already at seven. Uh, and it could be some guys taking medical uh, red shirts as well uh, and leaving the team that way. So it's not necessarily portal transfer is the only uh, direction that can go. Uh, so I would I would caution there. Um, let's see other guys or other things that are happening. Um, let me see here. What big time are not that that I've already answered the big time one for uh, uh, that. Uh, here's one. What, who does ITC is the more attractive L linebacker options of those rumored to hit the portal this year? The answer is, I don't know yet. And I don't know that Texas knows until they all go into the portal. This is the one thing that I'm trying to, to caution everybody about getting putting the cart before the horse right now the best linebacker in there could be a, a guy from Columbia that was a second league, second team, all Ivy league performer. this time, next week, it could be a second team, all big 12 linebacker. Okay. Or it could be a second team, all pack 12 or all pack. Yeah. All pack 12 linebacker. It's not necessarily. Um, and I'm saying this, try, trying to make sure everybody understands it. It's not necessarily about who is rumored to be in there. You have to wait because what there's going to be a hundred receivers in the portal. And there'll be 20 of them. I bet with 35 plus catches this year as a team, there's some, some guys are no brainers. You want to jump on earlier. The the guy at at Missouri is a no brainer for anybody and everybody in my opinion, but you want to wait to see who all's in there. And, And so I don't know all of the options, the Texas coaching staff, doesn't know all of the options. And until you know all the options, how can you rank them? Unless you absolutely know for sure uh, that that somebody's going to be your guy. Uh, And so uh, I would say that. Uh, Tommy, before we get going here, I want to say one last thank you to our sponsor, Energy Texas. Uh, Energy Texas is your energy provider of choice in the state of Texas. Uh, They are from the state of Texas, live in the state of Texas, born in Texas, all of that. Uh, Energy Texas is proud to be from the greatest state in the union, and prouder still to be fighting for the little guy against big power. Uh, Tommy, before I let you go here tonight, anything you want to add uh, to this conversation uh, before we hit 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 it uh, tonight?
1: I'll add one more point to that linebacker uh, conversation. Not necessarily in the transfer portal, but uh, a player that Texas has been on pretty hot here since his decommit for. Decommitment, excuse me, from Texas A&M, and that's Anthony Hill. Everybody knows who Anthony Hill is. You all know Texas wants him really bad, and rightfully so. This kid is an absolute baller. I've called several of his games in high school at Denton Ryan. He can do it all. He's played some offense. They throw him in there at running back sometimes, which is terrifying, even for me to watch at the top of the stadium, just because you can imagine being tackled by Anthony Hill Jr., can you imagine trying to tackle Anthony Hill Jr.? It's not fun, and his sixty-yard touchdown that I've got on my broadcast reel shows that off for you. Uh, but when it comes to the linebacker position, you know Jeff Chbosky done such a wonderful job this year with Jalen Ford, Demarvion Overshun, and that has to be something that sticks out to Anthony Hill. You know, our Justin and Eric and um, everybody who reports on him—I think Jerry as well—have said that when he watches these Texas games. He watches the linebacker core, and he has to be impressed. So even guys like Leona Leafa who are watching this have to be impressed as well with the leaps and bounds that Jalen Ford has made this year and the solid play from DeMarvion Overshone, showing their development, turning them into NFL-ready prospects here soon. So Anthony Hill, I think, could be a guy who gets serious playing time should he come to Texas in his first year. Uh, But obviously, transfer portal, if Anthony Hill decides maybe to recommit to the Aggies or go elsewhere, uh, would certainly be a viable option. Like you said, Bobby, when things start to open up and you don't have to take uh, a Columbia linebacker who was second team, all, all Ivy league.
0: Yeah. Uh, and I will say Samaj Burrell has also, uh, had an impressive year, uh, up in the Metroplex, uh, as a linebacker as well. All right, uh, for Tommy Yerish, I'm Bobby Burton. That's been this uh, Tuesday night's Longhorn live stream. I'm back tomorrow with Eric Naleen, publisher of Inside Texas, for our weekly State of the Program uh, with uh, Eric. Uh, For Tommy, I'm Bobby Burton. Thanks for watching.